Yarn. Yarn number eight, Wild Night. You met a murderer, you know. Words I didn't expect my mother would ever say to me. We were sharing a few drinks in her front room one evening. That period of time between Christmas Day and New Year's Eve, when the days of the week lose all significance, and everyone resorts to using the date to organise nights out. I always seemed to get sick during the holiday period. Too many consecutive nights out pummeled my immune system until I was finally floored. So I was sitting this one out and staying in to recover before New Year's. Dutifully nursed by my mother with a prescription of warm lemsip in conjunction with several equally warm brandies. Our only other company was our small dog, Rocky, who seemed just as bored as I was with the programme flickering on the TV screen in the corner. It was a very rare occasion that my mother and I would find ourselves alone together in her house, and it was even rarer for us to share a drink. The situation reminded me of the first, and maybe even the only, experience I had with her in a pub. Ma, do you remember that night you and Uncle Billy brought me to O'Sullivan's? I got no response. I must, I must have only been nine or ten. I brought you out to a pub when you were nine or ten. I don't think so. I was sure I hadn't imagined it. I waited for a second or two, then watched as the confused expression on her face changed to recognition, and then excitement. Oh yeah, you met a murderer that night, you know. I did? Who? As my mother started to recount the story, my blurry memory of that night was brought into sharp focus. Situated on Ireland's rugged southwest coast, O'Sullivan's was the only public house in a tiny rural townland where my mother grew up. Thousands of tourists passed through the valley each year on their journey along Ireland's wild Atlantic way, but not many stopped here. There wasn't much to stop for. The townland was not easily distinguished by any main street or village square. Along with the pub, the community was made up of a collection of farms, a post office, and an old dance hall that doubled as a church on a Sunday. A large lake was at the centre of the valley, the surrounding mountains with their jagged cliffs and barren rock faces were hospitable only to the nimblest of goats and the odd rogue sheep. My mother grew up on a farm on the far side of the lake from the pub. She'd bring me to visit my grandparents and cousins every summer. I was going to the pub with your uncle one night and you were begging to come. A nine-year-old child on the premises of a public house after 6pm was illegal in Ireland, but my uncle was confident it wouldn't be an issue in O'Sullivan's. I was standing at the door, ready to go, my coat on and a colouring book under my arm. Now just stay quiet and don't be running around, alright? We set off at dusk in my uncle's beat-up Toyota Corolla. By the time we rounded the lake, night had fallen. The only light visible was the warm glow from the window of O'Sullivan's. We entered the pub. My mother pushed me in the corner of a bench seat while my uncle went up to the bar. The elderly landlady greeted him. Well, Billy. How's the form, Mary? Grand. What can I get you? Uh, can you give me a hot brandy, two minerals, and an old snack there for the young lad? Stop them in the pub, young. And who's he now? That's the sister's young fella. So it's Uncle Will. Are you working tonight, you are? I am. It wasn't exactly a 100% social visit from my uncle. He was the pub's unofficial and unlicensed taxi service. Ah, oh, you'll have some work in a bit, I'd say. Oh. 
the boys over there have been doing my head in all evening, singing old rebel songs and talking shite! The boys she was referring to were a group of men in flat caps crowding around the open fireplace. They were having an animated discussion. Most of the men were liberally waving their pints of Guinness in the air, either in agreement or protest to the current speaker's proposition. The less steady on their feet hugged the mantelpiece for support and only acknowledged the conversation by nodding their heads with their eyes closed. My uncle set our drinks down and started describing everyone in attendance to my mother. The format was always the same. Name, family, area. Followed by an interesting fact. That's Pawdy. He's an O'Sullivan from back up the Glen. His grandmother runs the place. And that's Dermot, one of the Broslands. Sure, they all have the fucking village now. You were in school with his sister, weren't you? I was. Well, she went off to America, didn't you? She did, yeah. Savannah. Married a Yank over there. She'll never be back now. They were slowly making their way through everyone in the pub until my mother skipped ahead. Oh, who's the couple in the corner? Oh yeah, the Brits. Martin and Anne. They moved over about a year ago. They bought the old parochial house down the road. Do you know the one there in the corner? Oh, it's been falling apart for years, but sure they're trying to restore it anyway. Anne was beautiful. Easily the most beautiful woman I'd seen in my nine short years. She had long dark hair, sallow skin and large brown eyes. Martin had his back to us. Anne's gaze was focused on him. She swirled her glass of red wine and smiled to reveal immaculate white teeth and deep dimples. Here, look. Here, look. I'll call them over, right? I might have to bring some of the boys home in a bit. So look, when I'm away, you get the full story and how to get my own house, all right? My uncle waved them over. They jumped at the invite and pulled up some stools. It's getting a bit rowdy in here tonight. I'm just glad there's a big, strong man here to look after me. Leave the lad alone, Annie. You're embarrassing him. I went bright red, and the nib of my colouring pencil snapped. Martin was a short, stocky man. He had four deep wrinkles in his forehead and a red face, almost as red as mine at that current moment, but his skin pigment seemed to be more permanent. I went back to concentrating on colouring inside the lines, until the noise emanating from the men around the fireplace drowned everything else out. The landlady had finally run out of patience. She calmly lifted the counter flap and hobbled over to the raucous group. She snatched a glass out of one of the men's hand. Everyone in the pub was startled until Sean erupted. He staggered towards us and attempted to grab our table, but fell short. Instead, he collided with a shocked man. My uncle diverted the punch-drunk man away from our table. Paddy grabbed his hysterical grandmother. She was bundled back behind the bar and up the stairs. Paddy returned from the back area with a mop and a sweeping brush. He made light work of the broken glass and blood spatters before taking up position as the new head barman behind the counter. Hoddy, here look, I'm going to run a few of the lads home. I'll be back in a few minutes, all right? You throw me out a tea towel there. I don't want to get the blood all over my seats. Come on. Whispers and murmurs quickly returned to chatter 
and a regular pub atmosphere was reinstated. But someone was missing. Have you seen where Martin Oh, I think he went out the side door. Is he okay, do you think? He probably went home to cool off. I told him to do that if he thinks he might lose his temper. Oh, right. The two women chatted for what seemed like hours. My uncle popped in and out sporadically to ferry home anyone who was ready. I was eventually woken up by my uncle's booming voice when it was time to go. Now, is everyone ready to go, lads? Where's Martin? He left. Can we drop Anne home on our way, actually? Of course. The car rattled as it drove over the cattle grate. We continued up the long gravel driveway to Anne and Martin's house. A Land Rover was parked outside. Our headlights reflected on his British bright yellow number plate. Martin's here. Anne said with a sense of relief. Would you like to come in for a nightcap? Oh, sure, why not? Great, just wait here for a minute. I'm just going to see what mood Martin's in. If I'm not back in five minutes, head on home. She hopped out of the car and ran into the house. My mother and her brother exchanged a confused look. A few seconds later, the porch light flicked on to reveal Anne enthusiastically waving us in. The house was impressive, although still very much under renovation. A tiled hallway floor led to a magnificent wooden staircase. Buckets were strategically placed around the hall to collect the raindrops leaking from the ceiling. Anne ushered us through the cold chill of the hallway and into the cosy living room. A fire crackled in a large exposed brick fireplace. Martin seemed much more relaxed now and chatted with my mother and uncle. I'll get the drinks in. That was the night I remembered as my mother and I shared our Christmas drink. 20 or so years later. So where does the murder come into it? No one died that night. You've heard the story, surely. It was the talk of the village for years. That was them. I did know the story. Everyone knew the story. Anne's arrival in the small rural townland caused quite a few of the young men's hearts to race. One of those was Paddy O'Sullivan. Paddy was in his early twenties. He was into his music, so when Martin needed an assistant to help set up equipment for music events, he jumped at the offer. The pair became fast friends. Martin often frequented the pub where Paddy worked and joined in when the locals tormented the long-suffering landlady. Equally, Paddy often found himself called up to Martin and Anne's house, either to collect equipment or to help with the renovations. Paddy's infatuation with Anne probably seemed harmless to begin with, but small towns prove powerful incubators for gossip. Right, Martin. Anne not with you tonight, no? She's not feeling well. All right. Seemed in good form earlier. I saw her talking to young O'Sullivan lad at the end of your driveway. All of a sudden, Martin and Paddy's friendship dissolved. Paddy's infatuation with Anne grew into an obsession. He started following her and calling up to the house when he knew Martin was away. As the months passed, his actions became even more overt. He'd telephone the house and hang up if Martin answered. He'd park the car at the end of the driveway and sit there for hours. The locals debated whether these were just the actions of a kid with a crush or a heartbroken ex-lover. No one would ever know for sure, 
but the circumstances that followed drove the local community into a gossip frenzy. of Saturday morning, the body of a 23-year-old man was found on the road outside a house in the area. The body was discovered by two local men walking home from O'Sullivan's pub. The man had sustained multiple stab wounds and was pronounced dead on the scene. Gardy have initiated a murder investigation. Most locals knew the full story by the end of Mass that Sunday. Poddy had called to the house, thinking Martin was away. Martin came home to discover Anne and Poddy in the kitchen. Martin pulled a kitchen knife from the drawer and stabbed the young man repeatedly. Poddy managed to get out of the house and down the driveway before he collapsed on the cattle grate. There the life drained out of him. His blood dripped through the grating and flowed down the storm ditch. Martin ran into the surrounding fields and was never seen again. Locals assumed he got the ferry over to Wales, carried on to London and eventually found his way to Eastern Europe. To this day, he remains a fugitive. As my mother and I pieced the story together from our collective memories, I realised there was something I didn't know. So what happened to Anne? Did she move away? Sell the house? Well, she left that house eventually. She stayed in the area, though. Did she get married or have kids or anything? No, she didn't. She runs a dog kennel now. Has done for years. She's looked after Rocky a few times. The last time we were down for that wedding. Do you think she remembered you? Oh, I haven't a notion. You were with me the last time we picked him up. So you met her too. I vaguely remembered chatting to a woman with an English accent. Just small talk. About her dog, Rocky. The weather. And the wedding my mother and I had just attended. I wonder if she ever thought about Pawdy. Or if she ever went back into O'Sullivan's pub. Or if she lived in fear that Martin would show up on her doorstep someday. I wondered if she remembered me, the kid in the pub with the colouring book. If she did, she didn't let on. And probably for good reason. Sometimes, it was just best to let sleeping dogs lie. Featuring the track Small Country by Drembot.